0: The Sinus Podcast is brought to you by Alamo <laughs> Draft House. What? Stop yelling at me! I'm sorry. We did about 30 minutes of show, and then I realized we weren't recording, so we are starting over right now. <laughs> so much good material that was so local and
1: offensive.
0: <laughs> Maybe it's best that that stuff was left by the wayside, because it might have come across a little insensitive. But go, no, if you could have heard it, if you could have heard it. Uh, anyway, uh, the Citizen Podcast is brought to you by Alamo Draft House. And Cody, it's not your fault. No, this time it's your fault, Jared. No, it is my fault. We were I was trying to do a little <laughs> Goodwill Hunting thing because we're doing Goodwill Hunting this month. Alamo Draft House Park North, Monday, January 23rd, 7.30 p.m. We're going to call it the 20th, 20th anniversary screening of Goodwill Hunting. Because Goodwill Hunting came out in 1997, the year I graduated from high school, Cody. The yep, year that I was eight years old. It makes me feel so fucking old that this shit that I loved when I was a a, a pimply faced fat kid teenager is uh, sacking groceries at Albertsons is is hitting 20 years old and stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, we all know this as the movie that Kevin Smith, uh, Ghost directed uh, and oh, Ghost wrote.
0: No, I, I thought no, I thought William Goldman Ghost wrote it. Oh yeah, and Kevin Smith Ghost directed it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, I don't know nope. why Kevin Smith comes into that equation, but uh, he was
1: the one who set them up with the Weinstein's at Miramax. I know, but Gus Van Sant's a real director. Right, but Kevin Smith is, uh, I think Kevin Smith is an executive producer on the movie. It's and
0: like a co executive producer or something. I, I can't remember. Him and Scott Mosier are some sort of producers on it. I yeah. don't remember what.
1: Anyway, I don't know how that started. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, you know, Goodwill Hunting, an amazing movie, one of my favorite movies of all time. Mine uh, too. Mine too. Legendary Robin Williams performance. A great early Matt Damon performance, too, who, who kind of just carries that entire movie on his shoulders back when. He was essentially a nobody when that
0: movie came out. So I, I think, um, that I think that, uh, I think Ben Affleck gets overlooked too.
1: Yeah. 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 And Casey Affleck has a very small role in that movie too. Oh
0: yeah. I, I love the, uh, I love the installment plan and the burger. Uh, yeah.
1: Lines. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a great, uh, it's a great movie. Uh, one that I, I, I think holds up over time, even though it's a little bit dated at this point. um, but, yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, it's – if you have not seen this movie and, um, you know, especially if you were – I think I think that everyone who is, calls himself a fan of Robin Williams has to see this movie just to see, like, how incredible he is here and how the Oscar that he got was so well-deserved and not just the whole comedic actor going dramatic but just, like, just an incredible performance. And he
0: never – he never equaled that after uh... – after that performance, I think he just kind of did safe comedies after. Oh, well, he did a few dramas, but I don't. I don't think he, yeah, ever he professionally he got as got nearly as good as that after that.
1: But I mean, I mean, shit. If you're winning an Oscar, that it's a good place to peak, probably.
0: Well, sure, sure. But I mean, I I feel like it could have opened up so much more. I mean, he did What Dreams May Come, which was over over dramatic melodramatic weird weird i mean he
1: did he did he did i i don't remember um he I did mean, one he hour did photo uh
0: yeah uh, what was the gut the uh, nolan one uh insomnia right
1: uh, insomnia inside so, yeah insomnia was totally uh dramatic um but he i mean yeah i mean i and in certain stuff that he did comedically was also pretty dramatic i mean like uh good morning vietnam is pretty uh, um pretty dramatic at parts um, true. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you've got like one of my favorite dramatic performances he ever did was in Awakenings. I really like that movie.
0: Oh, it's been um, so long since I've seen that. Uh, yeah, he's
1: really great. At that, but but yeah, I mean, you're you're right. He kind of went into more broad comedies after Goodwill Hunting when, when he could have opened up a dramatic career. But I think that's the one that people always go back to. I mean, for, for me, my top two Robin Williams movies that are unassailable that will never move are. Goodwill hunting and then comedic. I always go Mrs. Doubtfire. I easily. still love
0: Mrs. Doubtfire too. That was one of the we we had a, a white elephant giveaway uh thing at Christmas. And I always like to pick something that's like anybody that can enjoy, because I'm not one of those jerk-offs that buys a candle yeah. and lets a guy unwrap it, like <laughs> or the, the uh and I I picked up a few DVDs at Target that were on sale, and one of them was Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm like, even if you don't have it in your collection, like it's cool to give it to somebody else.
1: It's it's one of those movies that,
0: a, a never gets old for
1: me, um, and then b it's it's like you, it, it works on this level that is is broad and um, and enjoyable, but also on a level where like he's improvising so much of that movie, and
0: it's it's like all brilliant. Do you? Uh, here's a weird story that I just remembered. Um, do you remember when the writer's strike was going on in Hollywood and, Mm -hmm. um, the late night shows were like scrambling to try to produce content? Um, yeah. And, you know, I worked at NBC at the time and I worked a late shift and, uh, Conan was, uh, I think before he returned, I think they were showing reruns, uh, Leno, this was Tonight Show Leno, obviously, the first go around, went back to the well and showed like classic episodes, quote unquote, uh-huh. and one of them was um, from 1993, um, and it was Julia Roberts promoting, I want to say the Pelican Brief, or uh, maybe uh, maybe that was uh, Sleeping with the Enemy. Anyway, she's the lead the lead guest the second guest pre james bond pierce brosnan to promote mrs doubtfire like oh, wow. of, of all the fucking weird people to promote mrs doubtfire like the guy that has like the smallest role that's still a guy you know yeah and i was like that's so weird that that pierce brosnan was promoting <laughs> mrs doubtfire that'd be like anthony michael hall promoting uh the dark knight
1: <laughs> like, like,
0: yeah. why? why like he has nothing to do yeah like with the... a peripheral role but still like yeah he's in this movie oh well, yeah this guy we know he's in it anyway that's that's my weird mrs doubtfire story but anyway goodwill hunting uh that is on monday january 23rd 2017 p.m alamo Drafthouse house park north tickets are five dollars and that goes toward your food and beverage um like always that's a great deal i think personally and you said uh, th- you, you said earlier in the in the lost thirty minutes that we <laughs> talked about that this is coming from your personal Blu-ray collection.
1: So, yep, so it gonna... is. Uh, as have most of the movies that we've shown ever at this place. So yes, it is coming from my pristine movie collection. Um, Goodwill Hunting on Blu-ray. Man,
0: I want to uh, talk about some of the stuff we talked about because I thought that was some funny shit. Like how you used to buy full screen DVDs. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all lost now, Jared. God That's your fault. Damn it! Fucking, I hate having to double. Our first
1: show, our first show I like. I understand how you would be rusty and forget to hit record, since we haven't done this in two months.
0: Yeah, I did. That's what I did. Cool. Because you have to. You know this little task cam recorder we use. You, you have to hit
1: levels. Yeah,
0: I got it, man. You fucked up. You have to hit record twice. So I fucked up. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yes, once again. Alamo Drafthouse Park North, 7.30 p.m. Monday, January 23rd, Goodwill Hunting. Get your tickets at drafthouse.com. Let's start the show. In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the Internet, a feat attempted by many and conquered by many. To produce a relatively listenable podcast, Devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no. Wait! Oh, okay. No. They're puppets. Don't ruin it. And <laughs> Muppets <laughs> are puppets. Hard facts.
1: Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever. I but think it's uh, I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea.
0: <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's, That's a, a Hulkbuster. Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's how he fights Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Sinistar Podcast. Welcome to episode ninety-two, take two of the Sinistar Podcast. I am Jared Kingery,
1: and I'm Cody Viefagna.
0: Yeah. So if you uh, missed, if you skipped our little intro there, we I fucked up and didn't hit record. Um, we've been gone for a, an awful long time. And the process... I'm a little rusty on the process. The uh, Like I mentioned uh, to you, Cody, the, I was looking back at my notes and the last time we reviewed a movie was uh, when Doctor Strange came out. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure when that was. Was that October? When was um, Doctor I, Strange released?
1: Man, It may have been the end of October. I, I can't remember.
0: Let's see. Let's see what Google says. October 20th,
1: 2016. So it's, it's been a bit of time. <laughs>
0: A lot, a lot of shits happened. Uh, we got ourselves a uh, a new president. Uh, we are five days away from uh, Trump's America. Yeah, and one one that we uh, foretold here on this podcast. We made the joke. You know, it was it's funny because it was it was it was um, you know I, by that time I think we were we were like really close, like really recently post uh that access hollywood tape yeah and i mean that was like people were throwing look, dirt mean, Go ahead. look
1: man we, w- we wouldn't have made that joke if we thought there was any chance that would have happened
0: and i think that's what a lot of people think <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of people that like they made all these jokes and then oh shit it happened and you're like well now what
1: i remember I mean, the election night when it was happening i was messaging one of my friends and it was, it was like when like one state was in and Trump was leading by quite a bit and he's like, it's happening. And I'm like, dude, relax. Like there's one state in, like, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. What? And then as more states were coming in, he was like, dude, it's happening. I'm like, dude, just calm down. And then eventually I was like, yeah, it's happening.
0: <laughs> that was, I mean, the SNL post election was brilliant, uh, hosted by Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Uh, he had that brilliant, like, what was it? Like 11 minutes of stand up? Yeah, uh, followed by that skit where uh, with he and Chris Rock, uh, he's like with the white people that are all freaking out. They're like, I guess yeah. America is racist, and they're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so uh, but in the, in the time that we've been gone, uh, you know, all the uh, big Oscar movies have been released, and we weren't there for you, and we're sorry. Um, no,
1: but we do have our top tens. Um, up on senesnob.net and of course um, you know uh, I didn't, we I, didn't have our top episode that we usually do
0: I've, I I re- read yours but I don't remember but did you say it was a weak year again it was a weak year it You're was yeah. say that. that's your fucking go to line yeah but
1: we we did have it we did come up with the consensus that I can generally agree with um, consensus was, know, our,
0: um, was our consensus number one was Manchester by the sea
1: yeah, number two consensus was Moonlight, and three which, was, which are which are yeah, three was uh, La La Land, four Hell or High Water, which was my number one, um, and then Gleason at number five.
0: Yeah, I mean I love those first three movies. I, I I'm, I'm happy with with either of those first three movies. Um, I mentioned to you I haven't seen Gleason. Um, I don't feel like crying, but. Uh, I wasn't as big a fan of Hell or High Water as you or Kiko was. Or anybody else, it seems. It feels like my uh, Fury Road, but on a smaller scale. Where I was like, I don't get it. Why does everybody think this is the best thing ever?
1: I don't think that the Hell or High Water buzz is as high as Fury Road was. I'm not
0: saying that. I'm just comparing it to the reaction. Like, am I missing something? But the, the the chromosome for joy? I don't know. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Tim Duncan cereal uh, returned to store shelves. Uh, yeah, I got a, mine. At HEB stores. Um, you got yours. I got a couple boxes for myself. Um, did you find it in Austin? I did. It's a it's a Spurs town here. Um, I mean, we have the Austin Spurs.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that's the same thing.
0: I mean – those guys get assigned there all the time. I mean, you could probably find – you probably see R.C. Buford more often at an Austin Spurs game than you do at a normal Spurs game, truth be told.
1: I know where his seats are, so I see him every time I'm there. Oh, really? Yeah, I know where his seats are.
0: <laughs> are they good seats? I would assume they're great seats. They're pretty good seats. <laughs> I remember uh, when he came to uh, – when I was working at WAI in San Antonio, he came for an interview – Um. <laughs> like uh, he came for an interview for the sports show on Sunday and he showed up like at the door and I had to, I was answering the, it was, I was in the master controls where I worked at the time and we answered the door and he's like, like, can I help you? And he's like, yeah, it's RC Buford, I'm here for an interview. And he's just by himself with like a Valero cup of soda. <laughs> like, this guy's a millionaire, like basketball, you know, guru. And he just grabs a Coke at Valero like the rest of us. That's pretty funny. Like Randy Beamer, too. Did I ever tell you about Randy Beamer drinking... Like, he drinks those half-gallon sodas? Does he really? Do they still make those? I haven't been to a Valero in a while. Like the Big Gulp's? Well, it's not a Big Gulp. Uh, It's whatever... It's specifically Valero, or whatever they're calling themselves now. They used to be Diamond Shamrock. Now they're Valero. Uh,
1: Hey, like, like Randy Beamer was a very... uh, uh, was like a is is a very big legend in, in my household. So I know that I've when we used to be up at the show I've met him a couple of times and he was a very he's a very nice guy.
0: Oh he's, very he's a very genuine guy. guy. Oh, yeah he's a Randy Beamer's a great guy. I love Randy Beamer. But uh
1: uh yes, legend. He, Even when he makes fun of the fatness of our city.
0: <laughs> he um uh, my last day at the station I uh before I moved up here I was working in our health expo and I posted a picture uh, on my Facebook page with, with Randy Beamer. And uh, I was like, hey, after 15 years working here, I finally met Randy Beamer. And people thought I was serious. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> He's great. He's a nice guy. No, but he uh, – I don't know if he still does. It's been a couple of years since I've worked with him. Um, but uh, he had a habit of getting those giant uh, Valero cups – I I don't know what they're called. They usually have a name, but they're literally like 64 ounces. (laughs) So half a gallon. (laughs) And he would drink those, I I guess Diet Coke or something. He'd come in with one every day and he would notoriously leave them around places. (laughs) Uh, So there'd be like three on his desk and like he'd leave them on the set. And I remember one day uh, for Christmas, one uh, PA, I guess, who had to clean them all up, like collected them all and like built them into a christmas tree in his at his desk <laughs> <laughs> and it was great it was a great prank uh was, i mean and it was just a testament to how much goddamn soda is in those things <laughs> <laughs> <That's really funny. laughs> i mean it was probably like like all added up i mean it must have been 20 cups so like 10 gallons of soda <laughs> represented in these cups i don't know <laughs> if they still st- still sell those
1: He's probably there for a really long time, though, right? Doing like the broadcast at five, and then again at ten.
0: That guy burns the midnight oil. That dude is there. He's he's there all night sometimes. I, I mean, yeah. it. I mean it when he's a genuine guy. I mean, he he's a hard ass worker. I've known plenty of people, um, you know, in that position uh, over the years. Not his position, but you know, in the position of being an anchor. That you know they come in, do their job and leave, you know, they, you know, they're they're there for the shows and they don't do anything else.
1: And he shoots a lot of his own stuff, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I've helped him, you know, set up his, his, he, he has a, you know, he does a lot of uh, photo editing. Uh, he like has his own laptop with an editor on it. And I helped him set up his TV before, like he has a TV at his desk that he plugs in to watch it. And I mean, that guy works his ass off. I mean, he, that guy's great. I love Randy Beamer with, no no uh, professional bias at all. That guy is a great guy.
1: Yeah, um, and he like and he's he's one of those guys who like regularly wins best local newscaster with like the current and stuff like that. I think he's a very well-liked person. He has his own shirt with that company. I have that
0: shirt. I have worn that shirt and uh I last time I wore it um I was in uh Oh, when I, when uh, my girlfriend and I went to California, I took a picture. I was wearing it when we went to Disney uh, – not Disneyland, Universal Studios, and they have a Simpsons um, uh, little town or whatever you want to call it, and they have Kent Brockman, like Channel 6 News. And I took a picture uh-huh. in front of that wearing the Beamer shirt and tagged him in there on Facebook. Um, he appreciated yeah. it. He's going to
1: be our big get. We got to get him on the show sometime. <laughs>
0: I mean, you'd really, all I'd really literally have to do is probably ask him. I mean.
1: Yeah. Does he, does he watch a lot of movies? He know a lot about movies? Uh,
0: yeah, he would ask me about stuff.
1: I just, before. I just remember my
0: very, my
1: very lasting impression was, um, way back in the day when, when it was Bob and Kiko doing Flickr footnotes. Um, I was on for the, it was for the Sorcerer's Apprentice and I was the, the <laughs> critic apprentice.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And. And so I went into that office that day and I was just hanging out just before we shot and, and Randy came up and, um, and was just talking to me about everything and how I got on and all that stuff. He was just a very nice, interested person. Um, and it was someone, it it's weird because locally, like you would think it didn't matter, but I grew up watching him since I was a small child. So it was, it was just a really cool thing.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, he's a great guy. I haven't, uh, like I said, I haven't, I mean, I've, We've we've mess we've not messaged but like commented back and forth on Facebook. I'm friends with him on Facebook. He's never on Facebook, by the way. But uh no he's he's This is uh, turning
1: Randy be Beamer hour.
0: We're, we're hagiography hey, of Randy Beamer. Uh oh, he <laughs> how do we even get to talking about Randy Beamer? <laughs> I love Randy Beamer. Um former co worker of mine, still a, a corporate uh 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 coworker of mine. Um Hell, when, when my girlfriend came up here for New Year's Eve, we were tired and didn't do anything. Like, we went to do... What did we go do? We had dinner, and we were going to go out to uh, Pinball's Arcade. hmm And then we were both like, we're exhausted. We're going to go home. And she's like, do we have anything we can watch for New Year's Eve? And here they don't do shit locally. New Year's Eve in Austin literally wraps up, like, the city celebration wraps up at 10 p.m. So, mm-hmm. uh... So I was like, we can just watch San Antonio's live stream of New Year's Eve hosted by Randy Beamer. So we did. And that was the weirdest thing I've done since I've lived here is watch San Antonio's live stream of New Year's Eve celebration hosted by Randy Beamer while in Austin.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure that you were glad to not be working that.
0: Oh, I yes. I'm so glad. That's a nightmare of of a long day. I mean, you know. God bless all my coworkers who my former coworkers who still do. Cause that is a bitch of a day. And then at the end of the day, like everybody's drunk and puking all over the stuff you got to roll up and put away. <laughs> Man, I do not miss that. <laughs> working on that. Anyway. Um, what were we talking about? Anyway. Um, <laughs> Oh, oh we,
1: my, do, I, I don't remember what we recorded it was, now and we recorded an hour ago. God damn,
0: it, I don't remember. We were talking about Tim Duncan's cereal and I mentioned before we started our our, our recording that, that got fucked up. You were uh talking about your strategy of saving uh the cereal box. Yeah. So so your your idea is to save the uh the empty box of Tim Duncan's uh, Slam Duncan Os uh, yeah. and and just eat the cereal inside. And I was telling you that should you go to sell it someday, uh, a box filled with cereal is far more valuable than just an empty box. If that well, were, if that would ever be your desire, it wouldn't. I don't think it
1: would be my desire. Um, I mean, look, I'm, I I did think about buying two boxes, and I probably should have.
0: I I um, bought four off the bat. Of course, you did. <laughs> So, so you know, I, I mean, I've already opened one uh, and had a bowl. Let's see how much they're going for. If there anybody's selling them on eBay right now. I so. mean, like,
1: I I would like to get. I mean, I already have my Tim Duncan autograph that's personalized, so I'm good on that.
0: I know I got it for you. goddammit.
1: it, you did. It was. It's a Tim Duncan. Uh, honestly, I think that the Tim Duncan Punisher autographed is a lot more cool than a box of cereal,
0: but that's. Well, yes. Me. I mean, I, I think that a Tim Duncan autograph, especially because it's, it's apparently very rare to come by, is far more valuable than just a box of cereal, yes. But you can have both, you understand. Cause the well, no, good. but I'm,
1: I think that the autograph cereal is less valuable to me than the Punisher comic.
0: Wait a minute. You have an autograph box of cereal? No, I'm saying if I did have one. Oh. Well, now you're getting to hypotheticals, and I don't understand where this is going.
1: We re- it's just like, I really I,
0: wish we would have been just, recording on the first time. Cause I am fucking lost as shit. It's, it's a,
1: it, dude, I don't even know anymore.
0: Anyway. So, um,
1: I would, I would love if I started making callbacks to an episode that doesn't exist.
0: It's very possible.
1: <laughs> I was we like, might. Hey, the, how about those airbrushed t-shirts at the mall? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Um, uh, you went and saw, uh, just before Christmas, uh, the, uh, San Antonio symphony, uh, Playing the score along with the film Home Alone. Uh, yeah, it was the Home Alone live
1: score um, with John Williams' famous score. Uh, uh, you know, we've been to many of these events in the past, and it's just this amazing, precise little thing where you know you forget that the you know symphony is sitting there right there in front of you because you're so focused on the movie, and then you look down and you're like, oh, there's like hundred like a hundred musicians playing this live, uh, and it's an incredible thing. And and you know, I talked about earlier um that nobody will ever hear um but <laughs> I <laughs> but heard it, it and
0: my dog yeah, sleeping sure. on the chair heard it so
1: yeah so uh it, it, home alone's a great movie um it it holds up really well um it's super funny um there were a lot of kids there who are really enjoying it but it's 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 a kind of a uh and I don't know if you've seen the edits online with the the home alone with blood edits yes
0: yes yes where,
1: that, that are great it's a very sadistic kind of movie but um but yeah, it, it's it's really funny. It, like I said, it holds up really well, more so than I thought it would. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the entire experience. It was nice to go back to that movie after it had been quite some time since I had seen
0: it. Did you uh, did you ever consider like so? How old were you when that movie came out? You were you were too young, right? You were like one. That was that must was, was early '90s, right? It was 1990. So yeah, I was I was one. So did you watch it extensively as a kid, or was it something you just kind of? Well, uh,
1: I, I did watch it a lot as a kid, and then like um, I know that when Lost in New York came out, I did have the uh, the handheld recorder thing. You had the that Talk was in- Boy. I I did I did when I was a kid. Yeah, I had that.
0: I wanted to buy one of those every now and then when I've seen them at toy shows, but
1: yeah, I wonder if I, I may still have it hanging around somewhere. But I did have one of those, and I remember uh, playing with it quite a bit as a kid. So. Uh, yeah, Home Alone was a big, big part of my childhood. It had just been so long since I'd seen it. And, and then when he had, we had kind of um, had this discussion prior, which was your question of, is Home Alone a Christmas movie or not? And I think we both kind of agreed that, no, it's not really a Christmas movie.
0: Yeah, we're just going to like kind of breeze over to stuff we've talked about before. like In our past, in our recording that didn't work, uh, we decided it wasn't a Christmas movie. Next. Uh <laughs> Speaking of, uh, of of events uh, coming up this Thursday, uh, we have a Fathom event that we're attending. Woody Harrelson's live film *Lost in London* is screening on Thursday, live, beamed live to theaters in the United States. I assume across the world too, perhaps. But uh, here in the United States, Fathom Events is hosting this, um, and we've done a bunch of these Fathom events. Uh, are you are you looking forward to this? This is a weird thing, right?
1: Um, I am looking forward to it, in a kind of uh, I, I know I mentioned this earlier, but in kind of a what <laughs> stop, the hell is stop making happen? callbacks
0: to stuff that we talked <laughs> about. Right
1: I'm going to make you regret that. every I'm <laughs> oh, I'm
0: I'm I'm falling asleep, and I already do regret it, but.
1: Yeah, no, I it's, it's one of those things where it has train wreck potential, but it also has the potential to be um, a really interesting thing that's never really been done before. So the cast is Woody Harrelson, Owen Wilson, and um, as we all know, the great actor Willie Nelson, an eighty-three year old Willie Nelson. Um, and so that right there shows you that it has the potential to be a disaster. Because you're taking an 80 plus year old man who's not an actor, um, who smokes a lot of marijuana, and putting him in a live stream, uh, so that that that's a you know good idea. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. I mean, I you know, uh, it, it it sort of feels like a, a like block like you said blocking for a play or live TV, <laughs> and it will just be interested to see how well-constructed it is, or if you can even tell that it is a live event, or if it's so disguised and rehearsed that it feels natural. I can't imagine that you wouldn't know, but I don't know.
0: That you wouldn't know what? That it's a live performance? That it's live, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got lost in your comparison there. i was sorry. I was was still pissed off that I fucked up the recording. Um, So anyway, uh, uh, this is going to be uh, live on Thursday night. January 19th, day before the inauguration, go see, uh, before, you know, stay up late, go watch Woody Harrelson uh, uh, do this live film. There's, there's a link you sent me. I haven't watched it yet, but it's like his friends trying to talk him out of it. Right.
1: Yeah. You know, it's it's a really, actually a really funny because <laughs> it's got, you know, Jennifer Lawrence and Matthew McConaughey and, um, <coughs> a, a lot of heavy hitters in there. Uh, a lot of people from hunger games, movies, um, some people he's worked with in other projects uh Jesse Eisenberg's in it. Yeah, it's, it's it's a funny little video.
0: Woody Harrelson also confirmed for the new Han Solo movie.
1: Yeah, playing his mentor so basically taking uh, just ripping himself off from
0: Hunger Games, I guess. <laughs> I really wonder what that role's going to be. I I'm not I'm hit or miss on Woody Harrelson, honestly.
1: I uh, am too, but I like when he's comedic and I like that Lord and Miller are in charge of this thing, which makes me believe that they can get a lot out of Woody Harrelson.
0: Yeah. So uh
1: a lot out of like a loaf of bread
0: so make all the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches you could eat for the day anyway (laughs) all right uh so that you can find tickets for that at fathomevents.com we'll have a wrap up of it on the show uh after that if we do another one if we don't fuck this up and and just say fuck it but (laughs) uh when episode 93 rolls around in three months we'll talk about lost in london um, no, so you can get tickets at fathomevents.com. Again, that's Thursday, January 19th, coming up at a theater near you. Um, I'm seeing it, uh, at, a, at uh, like our art house theater there. Are you seeing it at your nearby, uh, um, theater of choice or? No,
1: I'm not. I'm at, it's not showing at at that. So I'm actually seeing it at a, a movie theater. I haven't been to in a while. I'm seeing it at, um, Heabner, Heabner Oaks.
0: Oh yes, uh, yes, yes. That's so I uh, yeah, I saw Goodwill hunting frankly.
1: Yeah. I, they are, they apparently uh installed some recliners there so I'm going to see what that's all about. Oh. That's becoming a thing. I know that the draft houses, I know that uh Stone Oak and Park North here in San Antonio are uh, undergoing renovations to put some recliners in some of those uh um the the chairs that have uh the tables on them, which I think is a great idea because I really don't like the uh I, it's not that I don't like them, but you know the way the Draft House does their entire rows, it makes them really hard to get out of. And I feel like maybe if they put the tables, it'll make exiting a little bit easier. So
0: I, we, uh, I have that at my local Draft House here in Austin. Uh, Alamo Draft House Lake Line has the, uh, the tables per every two-chair. And I like yeah. it. It is a touch awkward when you're sharing that with someone you, don't, you didn't come with. Yeah, I will and say I mean, that because it's because yeah. uh, they tend to the, they tend to think you're together. Um, yeah. You know, which, I, you know, does, it's not you know a deal breaker or anything, but it's a different experience. I think um, the uh, there's Alamo Drafthouse Village that has those very nice chairs as well. That's where I've seen a few Fathom events. Um, I think I, I was
1: that. at uh, I was at South Lamar uh, last weekend. Um, it had been I hadn't been since it had been renovated. Um, that area is crazy, considering what it used to be. It used to be nothing.
0: Well, it used to be like an old '60s era shopping center, and now it's uh, now it's uh, you know condo. I mean, all of South Lamar's condos now.
1: Yeah. I went to Shake Shack and I enjoyed it greatly.
0: I haven't eaten at that Shake Shack. I've been to the other one in North. I, I'm I'm not as hot on Shake Shack as you are. I I would rank Shake Shack above In and Out. For sure, but it's so expensive. It's so expensive. Yeah, yeah. I would just pricey. go to, uh, I I I really love the the South Lamar Draft House. That's I've seen a lot of stuff there. What were you there to see? Silence. Oh, I didn't go just for that. I was
1: in Austin that day, so I, I popped in for three hours.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That was when you saw Louis C.K. right? Yeah, I
1: saw Louis C.K. in
0: Austin last week. Yeah my dog just right. knocked, my dog just knocked over a transformer that's that's where i'm at right now
1: well yeah, i mean you know in all fairness the dog could walk anywhere and probably knock over a transformer
0: yeah he's old he can't move so well and he just knocked over a big transformer that's okay uh uh what were we talking about oh yeah so uh lost in london um another event you want to talk about cinema on the rocks our series of uh screenings at uh used to be called Cinema on Tap now we're Cinema on the Rocks.
1: Yes. So we have a new series um it's at a place called Edwards Ridge Distillery. Uh it's a distillery here in San Antonio. One of I think maybe like two rum distilleries um here in town. They're also going to be doing bourbon and whiskey um, the as soon as you know that takes 2 years to 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 um to make. So in the meantime they started making rum. And um, it's really great cocktails. They have a really good product. And they're really supportive of what we're we're, we're trying to do. So um, it's still an independent film series that we have. Um, It's going to be the second Wednesday of every month. Um, So far, we have done Chef for our first month. And then um, uh, just last week, we did um, Short Term 12, which we had an amazing turnout. Um, We filled the place. There were no empty seats. Uh, And we had a food truck out there. We had the cocktails um and we always want to show a local short film here in San Antonio that we'll be doing every time so it's a really good chance to to maybe try a movie out you haven't heard of or you haven't seen before and also see some local films from local filmmakers and it's just this really cool event that um that you can also use to drink local rum and you know they they're, they're really, really nice and they offer up free distillery tours if you want to kind of check out what's what's going on in the back um and uh, they they're, they actually they're two uh, they have these giant little tanks uh, um, that they that they distill the rum in, and one is in. they they're the two Bobs from Office Space. So one says Bob <laughs> Slidell, and, and the other one was uh, I forget the other Bob from that.
0: Um, mm, I don't but remember, yeah, either. damn it. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm sorry, that sounded like I was just dismissing it all. Like yeah, you're right, great. So, <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, let's move on. <laughs> so uh, what's the next film in the series? Did
1: uh the the next film. Uh, not quite announced yet, uh, but we'll have that ready to go. If you check our Facebook page, middle of the week, we'll have that announced and ready to go. Um, so just, just to keep in mind, uh, if you're local here in San Antonio, second Wednesday of every month and last Monday every of every month are our events. The second Wednesday is going to be at Edwards Ridge. It's going to be free every time. Uh, and then the last Monday is our Draft House series for just 5 bucks. So um, if you want to watch movies that are curated by – um, your famous local film critics, and that won't cost you a lot. Uh, come check us out. So uh,
0: that's uh, Edward Ridge, Dis- Edward Ridge Distillery. That's at uh, sixteen one hundred four University Oak in San Antonio. Yeah,
1: yeah sixteen
0: hundred four on Lock Hill, Selma Yeah, yeah, you know where that is, right? That's out uh, near the rim.
1: Yeah, yeah, just before the rim. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's it's literally right off of sixteen hundred four. It's it's yeah, it's like Chavano Park area.
0: Look at you, Shavano Park. Wow. I'm getting micro-local here. You got a little uh, old money there in Shavano Park. Oh, anyway. Yeah. anyway um, Don't, speed Don't speed there. The cops are all over you. <sighs> yes, it's a speed trap. Uh, so anything else before uh, we move on to uh, – I think that covers everything that we fucked up, that I fucked up. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, just one more thing. Um, one thing we do want to te- tease as well is that um, we're, we're going to be undergoing a pretty massive overhaul – on our, our website um, in terms of the way that it looks. Um, we're going to have a website redesign and a logo. We actually just picked and finalized our new logo, which I think that all three of us are actually pretty happy with.
0: Um, okay, once, we got over, really... once we got over some bitter infighting on it. Um...
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think it all came – I think it all worked out because I think that we got a really cool, memorable logo um, that we'll be debuting probably within the next couple months as well as a new website – um, so, kind of stay tuned to CineSnob dot or not CineSnob dot net, but the CineSnob uh, Facebook page for updates on that. Um, I, I think that I think that we did pretty well, in all things considered. I'm, I'm really happy with the turnout.
0: I mean, we're doing uh, we're 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 adding pornography is the bottom line. I mean, we're yeah, no,
1: yeah. It's uh, it's going to be called a uh, CineSlob, uh, where we interview the best s- s-
0: slobbering. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we're going to have uh... The the Knob Cine-knob slobbers? CineKnobs. slob on the knob. <laughs> no, it's We're going to tu- uh, yeah, be a tube site. It's a tube site.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a tube site. We're going to review the first 45 seconds of lots of porns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy.
0: Gross. Pornography is <laughs> gross. It's
1: just a. Disgusting, and it's against my religion. <laughs> uh, um,
0: anyway, God, I, I, I want to talk about how rough it was in my day before the internet was full of porn. But <laughs> back in dial-up days, back when you had to, when you had to have the, the <laughs> when you had to have the, uh, the, the shady convenience store that would sell you a hustler, or whatever, <laughs> whatever was the magazine of choice. <coughs> They, they sold you they sold you Mad Dog twenty twenty uh, in a styrofoam cup if you were a teenager they sold loose cigarettes and they didn't care who bought their porno mags <laughs> those were the days those were the days I don't know what those shady convenience stores do now uh, I assume those other two things are still in full force
1: <laughs> do they
0: do they like give you free vape juice yeah, it must it's got to be vape juice they and you can all you can tell them now they all identify themselves pretty easily because they have those really uh, those, like, LED rope lights. Are, yeah. Like, like, might as well spell out, like, this is a skeezy place. Like, you can buy whatever you want here. No questions asked.
1: Anyway. By the way, what kind of term is baked juice? It sounds so, like, it's just gross. Um, <laughs> I, like, I have... Don't I have to get cool. all Seinfeld, but where is the juice? Well, it's liquid.
0: I mean, that's what it right, is. Right, but... You don't call soda like caffeine juice, dude. I don't know. It's 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 amazing that that like respectable people like people. I have coworkers that do it, that vape, and like they'll go outside like they're taking a smoke break, and not I mean not act like and and be oblivious to the fact that it's like the one of the douchiest things you can do. Yeah, yeah, like, like I mean, I get smoking because you know that's just old school, but like if you're vaping, like and they have this like. Like, like uh, crazy, you know, looks like a robot dick vaping pen or whatever (laughs) you call it. Like, and they're, and they're completely serious about it. Like, I don't think any of them use like the crazy, like flavor juices or whatever the fuck they're called. Anything, anything that stinks. I was at a concert at Stubbs here in Austin and some fucking jackass was vaping with next to me with like strawberry scented shit. I mean, it's like it's like it's like a like if you go into a bathroom that smells like shit and lemon or something. Like why? Um, at yeah. any rate, well, that would be a really nice idea
1: if if like if like the euphemism became, "Hey, you want to go outside and suck the robot dick?" <laughs> <a little bit.
0: laughs> I'm gonna go suck this robot off. He's gonna vape some. He's gonna jizz some steam into my mouth. It smells vaguely of
1: pomegranate. (laughs) It tastes
0: like ecto-cooler or some bullshit. That was the thing. If you were searching for ecto-cooler on eBay, you got a lot of vape juice before it made its comeback last year. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) enough of this shit. What do you say we move on to reviews? Sure, that's fine.
1: Here are this week's reviews.
0: All right, first up we have Patriot's Day. We've got to decide who's running this, and we have to decide quickly. If it's terrorism, it's yours, right? Gentlemen, the moment we label this terrorism, everything changes. It's not about Boston anymore. It's not a local investigation. It's Wolf Blitzer. It's stock markets. It's politicians. The knee-jerk reactions, anti-Muslim backlash. And what if we're wrong? I mean, there's no take back. I've been through this before.
1: If we don't call what we already know it is. And a cell is activated and they hit Chicago or New York or Washington, what happens then?
0: The accusations are going to come no matter what we do. terrorism we'll take it so what do you need command son really big this is the account of the 2013 boston marathon bombing in the aftermath which included the citywide manhunt to find the terrorists responsible what did you think a patriot's day you fucking cocksucker wow that was
1: that was very loud dead on bostonian
0: um, it's very you know, this is a I very Boston-y, Bostonian movie. Yeah, but it you, you it's it's caulk. Cork. I'm sorry, I didn't say g ger- I didn't say cork right. Sorry. Yeah. Cork. And then it's fac. Cork, mm-hmm. fac. <laughs> okay. I've done I've, I've done extensive research. So That's all you've um, that's all you've ever needed to say when you go into Boston is Cork and <laughs> FAK. <laughs>
1: yeah, fac and cawk. You know, uh yeah, uh It's it's interesting because um, we've seen a couple of these Peter Berg Mark Wahlberg collaborations, um, or maybe there's I mean I know Lone Survivor was for sure. Was there another one? Deepwater Horizon. I didn't see that one. Deepwater Horizon. That's right. Um, That was this year too. Um, was 2016. And I I mean look, (laughs) Lone Survivor was not a good movie. Um, It uh, it it played a little bit too much as as a bit of kind of hero worship in a way that it was unreasonable in terms of what you could believe that this superhuman person was doing. And I think that Patriot's Day has a little bit of that in it, but it's a a little bit more grounded um, than something like Lone Survivor was. I think Wahlberg still has this incredible cop who is unrealistic in a lot of different ways. Okay,
0: I, I wrote this in my review. He's at literally every scene, every major development in the story. Which, uh, which I mean, he's at the finish line when the bombs go off. He's like has the ear of the commissioner of the poli- of of Boston Police, the FBI. They ask him to like figure out the security camera thing. He's at every every development along the way, and it's a little much. It's a lot much, honestly. But it is, but I mean, again, what
1: can you expect when all you see on the banner is Patriots Day, Mark Wahlberg? But um, you know, it's. It's it's fine. Uh, I think it it may actually be the best movie that Peter Berg's ever made. Um, not a not an extremely high bar, but but um, it, it, it's 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 well well made enough and it's ripped enough from the headlines where I think that you get an idea of oh I remember this happening. Um, I, I think that the way that they portray the bombers and the brothers is 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 actually pretty good. Um despite the fact that they have like Nat Wolf's brother playing one of the bombers or whatever. Um
0: I he's I think he's great. And I I, I don't know, I don't know how true to life that is. Um but do you remember and we may have talked about this before, but there were fucking numb nuts idiots on Twitter and Facebook that insisted that he was being set up like, people that had no connection to this, and I remember following some people that did this, that thought that uh Jokhar Sarnayev was, like, like, some patsy that, that the authorities had named, and that he was too, like, innocent-looking to have done it. Do you remember that shit? Yeah, it
1: was on the Rolling Stone cover.
0: Well, yeah, but, I mean, that Rolling Stone cover was a commentary on that. That wasn't the idea of that. You know, it wasn't... They didn't right. think that he was that way, but it was a commentary on that. But, uh... But the way this movie plays him is kind of like a disaffected clueless millennial is is really it's chilling and i I hope it's accurate because if so, if not, then it's another thing to add to the list of kind of shit that that's wrong with the movie I and mean, I don't think there's a lot wrong with it, but there is stuff that's wrong with it um at any rate what who's nat yeah, wolf um, by the, who's
1: nat wolf by the way Nat Wolff is the really annoying guy who is in uh, Paper Towns. Um, oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He's the blind guy in Fault in Our Stars. Yes. Okay, you're right. Yeah. So um, anyway, the movie is fine. I think that uh, it, it gets re- – here's the thing. When it comes down to the manhunt, I think it gets a lot better than in the early developing parts. But when it gets, gets down to the manhunt part – it gets a lot better. I think it's a total waste of guys like J.K. Simmons and John Goodman. Um, I, I don't think anyone other than Mark Wahlberg gets a whole hell of a lot to do in this movie other than maybe um, – well, no, I actually I actually don't think that anyone other than those two get a lot to do. Um,
0: well, the, the, so, the, the fact is this should have been an ensemble piece. This should have been like a Steven Soderbergh ensemble piece. Where you, you don't have a main character, you're just kind of dipping in and out of these these scenarios. You know, 'cause cause Mark Wahlberg shouldn't be in the fucking FBI like reconstruction, like he's the only fucking idiot that thought up that you should look at surveillance cameras. Like yeah, no fucking shit. Like why do they need that to connect the dots? You know what I mean? Why do they need that character? Why couldn't well, it have been I, Well I think that essentially Mark
1: Wahlberg was um, an amalgam of Several different characters, but there's, into there's one.
0: there's no way that happened. There's no way oh, that they were like like, hey, you know, what businesses on this fucking busy street in 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 Boston have a surveillance camera? They're the fucking FBI. They've already they already know, and all they and they he could have been replaced by a fucking Google Street View search. You know, it, it's not yeah. it it which there, which which I mean also.
1: Um, a great performance. Oh wait, that that joke's not going to land with you. Never mind. Go for it. I'm, I was just going to say who also gave a great performance in Lion. Oh, okay. But I mean, Lion is basically a guy looking on Google Earth to find where he was born. So <laughs> I, I, I trust me, it would have landed if, if you had seen that movie. Okay. Also, a great performance by the guy who was uh, hijacked by the guy who plays uh, Jin Yang in Silicon Valley.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, uh, Jimmy O. Chang. I was wondering. I didn't. I didn't know it's that It's Yang, part- racist. Oh, it is Yang. I'm sorry. What did, <laughs> what did I say? You said Chang. Oh, I was. Well, I'm sorry. Pardon me. I got his name wrong. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know where that storyline was going. I, I, I <laughs> the the poor MIT cop. Like, I'm like, this guy's dead. Like, that was yeah. a terrible. Look, I I think everything outside of, of Wahlberg is is pretty good, um, to to really good. But did
1: you like? I mean, did you like J.K. Simmons?
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is like I think this like it this had the feeling of an ensemble piece where where these you get these big actors that don't have huge roles. You know, you're you're filling out the Boston Police Commissioner with with John Goodman, who's great. Uh, you know, the the small town chief with J.K. Simmons, another great choice um but to have this kind of main character who's essentially an action movie cliche um you know taking the taking the glory i guess almost i mean yeah. I, of of real guys um that i was telling you before the show started and before we had our boarded fuck up uh that that i've i was reading a rev, uh a summary of the weekend box office this thing tanked by the way um uh, that Outside of Boston, it was getting good reviews, but Boston critics were savaging it because of the fact that it plays so fast and loose, and and essentially fictionalizes, uh, and, and you know meshes together the the heroics of a bunch of people into Mark Wahlberg's character unnecessarily. I should say. I mean, it, it's there, I don't think that we needed this guy to guide us through it. You know, I, I don't. It's a it's a weird choice by. By Berg, and and Wahlberg as a producer on this. It's a weird choice to have this guy play this hero who is essentially not solving the case himself, but at every development. Like, he's the guy that finds him in the boat, you know? Um, He's the guy that's that's first in there after the bomb explodes. Like, that didn't happen, and that's a a really shitty thing to do in such a high-profile tragedy film, you know, a retelling of it. Uh, and I, it's it's more problematic to me now than it was the, after I saw it and when I wrote the review. It, it, it's kind of grown on me how problematic it is, um, and I don't understand the choice other than Mark Wahlberg, maybe a little bit of an egomaniac. But
1: yeah, I mean, it's I don't know why they couldn't have stretched. And it's weird because normally we complain that we don't know why it, uh, why two characters existed instead of just one, but this is the opposite of that where this could have used another character or two to really flesh it out so that Mark Wahlberg wasn't everywhere.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, um, you know, there's, there's the ridiculous shit where he's, you know, being, you know, has the ear of the FBI. Like he's like, Hey, we need to question witnesses. Like, Oh no fucking shit. You know, you goddamn B cop. Like, like, yeah, no joke. You know, Boston, you come here and look at these tapes. Like really, you can't (laughs) pull up a map. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, uh, it it has another kind of element that, that I think it it had a chance to question and it doesn't. Like like with uh Lone Survivor and I didn't see Deepwater Horizon, it's it's rather it, it teeters on the on the brink of making some sort of social commentary about what's happening. Like Lone Survivor, remember um the, the kind of debate they had at the beginning of the film when they're on the hill and they they want to kill the guys, but then it would be a war crime essentially because they yeah. weren't engaged. Like it brushes up against stuff like that, um, you know, where there's like real questioning of the motive behind the whole affair. And uh, Patriots Day has that when um, uh, it's Melissa Benoist's character um, who plays um, um, Tamerlan Sarnayev's wife you know, the American woman who's also, who's converted to Islam for her husband. And they specifically, you hear the radio call go out that if they find her, they're not to read her, her Miranda rights. And yeah. then you have that character, uh, you know, the, the F, whoever it is, the mysterious interrogator come in, in the hijab and, and question her and essentially like threaten her, you know, out extra legally. And you see, you watch, uh, you know, Kevin Bacon and, and John Goodman's characters look on, and it's really fucked up. Like, this is like, oh, shit, this is terrorism and this is coming to our doorstep, uh, you know, this kind of war on terror thing. And then it just sort of lets it go. Yeah. Uh, and then the same thing with with what's essentially martial law in the city. It's all kind of treated as like, it's it's not interested in asking the questions about whether or not those were good things or or bad things. It's just sort of, this is what happened and we caught the guy. You know, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily endorse those things, but it doesn't question them. Like I think it comes close to feeling like it's going to, and probably should. But I mean, I don't know what to. I mean, Peter Berg. Seems yeah, I mean, look. The, the flat out, I think, I think that the
1: salient point that you're making here is that at no point is there any political message any here in here. It is a straightforward. True. This is what happened, more or less in I, this
0: situation. Um uh, what did you think? I I really liked this touch. Um and I don't know if this is real surveillance footage or not, but when they would cut to stuff like when it, when they were like piecing together, it was like it was piecing together a timeline and it would cut to uh surveillance footage style mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Uh, of the yeah. events happening. I really loved that technique. Um and I thought it was really well done like when they stop at the you know they hijack the they carjack the guy and, uh, and, uh, Joe Carlson and I have walks into the bank and there's the surveillance footage of him, um, and the surveillance footage of when the guy escapes and gets into the, gets into the, uh, uh, convenience store. Um, I, I mm-hmm. just thought that was, I, I really love that technique and I thought that was an no, interesting I, way I like to it. tell the story, I like it. but, uh, but you're right. There is no political, there's no political message in this at all. It's just straightforward. Fucking boss is strong. I don't know if I got the yeah, answer. Yeah, that's the thesis of the movie basically. <laughs> so uh, um, uh, what did you think of it? What's your grade for this?
1: My grade is a C plus. I think that it's a well-made movie from Peter Berg. I think that it's less heavy-handed than he normally could do, <laughs> especially with something like Lone Survivor, which was not subtle in any way, shape or form. Um, I still did not really care much for what was going on. And I found myself a little bit bored until we get to the manhunt. So I give it a a C plus.
0: I gave it a B. I, I, I still, despite all the problems with it, I still liked it and I thought it was effective. I wish it were, I wish it were ballsier and I wish it were, and I wish Mark Wahlberg wasn't playing, you know, whatever action hero he thinks he's playing. I, you know, I didn't know that he, I mean, I, I figured as the movie was going along that he was fake because there was no way this guy was at every scene. And I yeah. thought there may be like some guy really named Tommy Saunders. But when you get to the end and they have the – it kind of shifts into real life uh, with David Ortiz uh, making the speech at uh, uh, Fenway Park. And they introduce yeah. like the real people. And then mm-hmm. it's essentially that guy that he's talking to the whole time that's, that's the beat cop that was the hero. And you didn't, he's just sort of a secondary character the whole time. It's, mm-hmm. I, I would maybe if like Mark, like he looked back at Mark Wahlberg and he disappeared, like he was just a spirit guiding him the whole time or something.
1: <laughs> it was the spirit of Mark Wahlberg. Yeah.
0: I fucking helped you out. Uh, all right. Uh, so enough of that. Let's move on to our next movie. Uh, real quick, Live by Night. Oh, what's up? Ah! How you doing? Look at you. Look at you. Hey. Sorry about your father. Yes, yeah, sir, was your brother. Thank you, hey, thank you. Listen, when Lefty Downer found me in Montreal and told me the pescatories wanted me to come work for them, I thought it was a straight bamboozle. <laughs> then I thought, if anyone could charm the devil, it's my old partner. Look at this. Would you look at this? Yeah. After you. I got it. I work for you now, Boss Joe Coughlin. Reach under the seat, and you'll find a friend. A group of Boston-bred gangsters set up shop in balmy Florida during the Prohibition era, facing off against the, the competition and the Ku Klux Klan. I didn't see this. You did. Talk about it real quick.
1: Yeah, I'm not, not going to spend a lot of time on this because, frankly, it's not really worth it.
0: Um, disappointing, disappointing to me to hear that.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, look, here's the thing. Ben Affleck – this is the first stinker that Ben Affleck has made. Um you know, the uh, Gone Baby Gone is great. The town is really great. Um, Argo, I'm not that hot on, but it's still a good movie. This movie just does not work on any level.
0: Um,
1: it, it, I, you know what? I shouldn't say that. Um, it, it's what you, and you, and you may know what I'm talking about here. But you know those movies that you see where you're like, yeah, this is fine, but who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> I see, I see, I see movies that are middling. On a weekly basis. Um, And it just feels like that. Nothing feels like it ever elevates in any way. Um, uh, You know, it's it's a decent, uh, like a decent Affleck acting performance. The rest of the cast is fine. A lot of people are making a lot about Chris Messina. He's really not that great in it. Um, The story itself feels like any other, like, cartel or prohibition type thing where they're bootlegging stuff and it's kind of like a turf war type thing um you know it, it, what it comes down to is that it's just kind of a very rote um uneventful story and Affleck just feels like he's sort of sleepwalking through it and it's 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 really disappointing because he's been on such a hot streak but he seems to be in this weird trajectory where his career just is just i think maybe we just got to get used to the fact that Affleck is going to ebb and flow because Batman versus Superman was an unmitigated disaster, and the fact that he's that that right now there's you know every every week there's a different article is Ben Affleck gonna direct the standalone movie or not? And he has to keep on saying that yeah I'm gonna make it. So, so I, I, I it, it's just it's just a disappointing film considering um, it seemed like he had so much momentum, and I do wonder what the whole Batman thing may have done for his career. It's yet to be seen because we've only seen him in Batman versus Superman and very briefly in suicide squad. But, um, it is just not the normal athlete that we've grown used to, um, as a filmmaker.
0: I guess it's, um, the fact that it's, it's maybe a difficult prospect to get used to him just becoming a director, you know, instead of a director of just prestige stuff, you know, and maybe that's a, maybe that's a, an expectation that that's unfair to have of someone who, you know, has made, you know, three movies that I think, I think they're all great. Um, You know, yeah. I, I like Argo more than you did. And I, I, a lot of people, I mean, Argo won best picture, you know? Uh, I think that maybe transitioning, you know, not everything from every direct, I mean, you know, think of the greatest directors of all time and not every one of their films is good. You know, Spielberg lays an egg, you know, probably every fourth movie. Uh here's that's that's very true,
1: but if, if you look at the box office numbers for this one, it shows that maybe people aren't that interested. So for those of you who don't keep up on box office stuff, Live by Night opened very wide this week in like almost three thousand theaters and it made five point four million dollars. Yeah. And and just to put that in perspective. The underworld four, whatever the hell they're on now, <laughs> in their second week made more money. It didn't even crack the top ten for the week.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably a tough sell. I mean, look, Warner Brothers wants to keep Affleck happy, so they're letting him do whatever he wants. Uh, maybe adapting a uh, a, ni- a novel about uh, you know 1920s gangsters um, isn't the best choice commercially. I mean, I, we but, may.
1: But the, the thing, the thing that is beyond that is that. Is is I think that you make a good point in that they want to let Affleck do whatever he wants, um, and they do want Affleck to they want to keep him happy. But on, you know think about that on the other side of things, which is that he gets that sort of freedom, and what he makes is a really boring, um, uneventful written and directed film that he does. It's an adaptation of you know a prohibition era thing. So I think that goes both ways. If you're going to be given freedom, why not do something that is a little bit more um, – frankly, a little bit better?
0: Well, I don't (laughs) – I mean I don't – again, he didn't set out to make a bad movie. I I mean whatever the the – I mean we've talked about this before, but whatever the circumstances are that make a bad movie – and I haven't seen this yet, so I can't comment on the quality of it. But whatever the circumstances are that make a good or bad movie are almost – they're almost ephemeral. They almost don't exist. It's just sort of the luck of everything falling. You know, there's not obviously there's bad movies that are made because the talent isn't there or the budget isn't there or the concept is flawed from the beginning. But then there's like you you know, there's movies that you just don't give a shit about that are technically well made and well acted and well written or whatever, but you it just doesn't all come together for whatever reason. And I'm I'm assuming that's what happened here. You know, it just it didn't work for whatever reason. Um, you can point to to whatever. Like I said, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on the the plot or anything. But it it literally happens all the time. You know, um, it just you know they wanted I, they, I, they they probably they they had prestige dreams for this. Obviously, this was you I, know. I think, this, I think that the major difference though is that
1: this movie opened with a whimper and no, nobody was talking about it nobody was
0: excited about it it just kind of opened well i and i think that's yeah. probably probably due to the critical reaction yeah it had
1: a lot to do, i mean it's getting panned
0: yeah i mean if it if it had been uh you know cuz something like um uh hidden figures um has really resonated hidden figures has has been a hit you know, and because yeah. it had positive buzz beforehand, I liked the movie fine. I don't think it's anything revolutionary or anything, but it's a well-made movie, Um, you know, that that offers some insight into something that, you know, you don't – you didn't necessarily know about it. It has a likable cast. I mean, uh, you know, Octavia Spencer and uh, – um, uh, what's her name? Taraji P. Henson are great in the film. I don't think Janelle Monet really makes an impact. But, I mean, I think that those are two great leads and I think you have a great story there. Um. Uh, and that's i think that's a good example of of positive buzz in in one of these movies that's going to open later you know these prestige movies that 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 open wide after the critical buzz has already built or fallen um, so i i i think if if maybe people liked it maybe it had head would have done better um you know if if it had been like hey this is a great movie you have to see or maybe it's just something people don't give a shit about that's it's hard to tell you know i mean it probably i i really like the 1930s gangster shit um you know we talked about this i think probably on the thing that got up, that got fucked up was boardwalk empire um another show that that had huge potential and i didn't stick the landing at all um but that 1930s gangster stuff is is interesting to me you know um and that that's probably why I, I was more attracted to uh something like Fantastic Beasts than than maybe anybody, you know, else was that I knew personally. But, you know, making a good movie, making a bad movie at that level, I think is is a crapshoot, you know. I mean you can you can point to all the problems with Batman v Superman, um and I think that Dawn of, Dawn of Justice, and I think that's because that movie feels like it was made by a bunch of nervous executive decisions. And I don't think there's a singular creative voice in that thing whatsoever. Um, you know, with with live with Live by Night, it's it's Affleck's baby through and through. And if it didn't work, you know, it's on him. But you know that he's he's proven himself in the past, and he he got the chance to make this film that he really wanted to make, and it didn't work you know they'll move on i think they'll i think they're okay you know i'm talking a lot about a movie i haven't seen so what's your grade for this um c plus as well on this one c plus all right let's go ahead and move on to our next movie silence
1: ferrera is lost to us he denounced god in public and surrendered the faith that's not possible father Ferreira risked his life to spread our faith all over japan
0: It seems to me that our mission here is more urgent than ever. We must go find Father Ferreira.
1: This is in your hearts, then both of you? Yes. Then I must trust God has put it down. The moment you set foot in that country, you step into high danger.
0: Two priests travel to Japan in an attempt to locate their mentor and propagate Catholicism. This sounds like a fucking blast. (laughs) Um, I didn't see it. You did. What's up with silence?
1: Um, God So this is a movie that's been 30 years in the making For Scorsese Or Scorsese as I like to call him <laughs> um, And uh, it, it, it's, it's a As it's a, I it's a, it's a, said in my review It's a tough nut to crack um, It is Probably the best Or one of the best Faith based movies ever made it's really well made. It's, it's it's beautifully shot. It's well acted. Andrew Garfield is fantastic. Adam Driver doesn't have a lot to do. And then um, uh, there's another – there's a Japanese actor in there. I think his name is Issy Onada. Um, and he's pretty fantastic in a way where he's, he's kind of like cartoony but in a way that really works. Um, and uh, something I wrote in my review is that it's just a really – it's really difficult to – extrapolate themes beyond the just overbearing Catholicism in it. And what it really comes down to is it's a movie about defending your beliefs in the face of massive consequence. Um, And um, it's just tough to get through. I mean, it's almost three hours long and it feels it. Um, it, it's, It's kind of a slog to get through. Um it's a and like I said it's a well-made movie it's good but man it is religious.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: is it better than so, uh,
0: so it's you you likened it to a faith-based film which is that really I mean I get it faith-based film is kind of shorthand now for shitty pandering right-wing thing with a faded star but is that really what you're talking about here or is this
1: I'm talking more of a film that's general thesis and main plot and messages have to do directly with Catholicism, Christianity, um, and standing up for what you believe in, in the face of horrible
0: odds. Is it better than dogma? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, it doesn't, it, it, and it's a weird, it's honestly a weird departure for Scorsese because, um, the past few movies that he's done have been, I, I mean, aside from Hugo, um, are, are you know he's a loud, brash, almost aggressive filmmaker in a good way. Um, you know, Wolf of Wall Street is fucking crazy um, <laughs> and it, it's and it's crazy in a sense that you wouldn't have think that a 70 year old man would have made it, but it's got this weird energy to it um, that that just works really well. Um, and then you know prior to that, you know he did shutter I, I think Shutter Island's super underrated. I really love that movie. And then The Departed is one of my top movies of all time. Um, So it doesn't feel like a Scorsese movie. Um, It is super religious, and I think that people who may not be religious and may not really dig into those themes of Catholicism, you know, possibly even some. uh, You know, Andrew Garfield looks a lot like Jesus in the movie, and I don't think that's an accident. Um,
0: It almost never. It almost never is when someone looks like Jesus.
1: Uh I think that it's a good movie. I think if you go into it, it's challenging to get through. I think that if you are agnostic or atheist, you may really have a problem getting into it. Um but having said that, it's good, but it uh you know, it's it is difficult to crack. I will say that.
0: All right, so what's your grade
1: for this? You know, I like I said I, I it's a good movie. I give it a B. Um, I don't go any higher than that and I won't go any higher than that because the themes are really hard to dig into um, but it's well made it's well acted it's beautifully shot it's just it's just a it's a it's a really well made movie you can just um, say you that, won't
0: go higher than that because you hate Catholics
1: well yeah I mean it, yeah <laughs>
0: yeah all right. <laughs> so, no, all right all right let's move on to our last movie we're gonna finally talk about fucking Rogue One a Star Wars story Ten degrees up no 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 no. Are you sure this is the way? They, they have landing trackers. They, they have patrol squadrons. You've got to stay in the canyon. Keep it low. the right! There's a 26% chance of failure. How much farther? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I never really come this way. But we're close. We're close. I know that. Well, now there's a 35% chance of failure. I don't want to know. Thank you. I understand the wind. If you keep going, you'll be right over the shuttle depot. What's hey! no! The Rebel Alliance makes a risky move to steal the plans for the Death Star, setting up the epic saga to follow. Uh, this is probably the biggest thing that we should have talked about in our yeah. uh, long absence. Um, but uh, this was uh, uh, this is of course the prequel that they never called a prequel to... Uh, the original Star Wars trilogy. And uh, as of yesterday, I've seen it twice now. I believe you've seen it twice. Yep. What do you think of the movie?
1: You know what? I liked it a lot more on second viewing. Um, I think that it is not nearly as good as The Force Awakens. Um, I think I what I respect, I respect a, 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 a few things about it. I respect it in that it is very much in, 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 in almost to a point where it surprised me a self-contained story. Um, it feels, it does not, it's the first movie that feels like it's not leading towards something, even though that, even though it's leading towards the trilogy, it doesn't feel like that at all, all until the very last moments, in my opinion. Um, so I can really appreciate that kind of thing where in a, in a world where we're living towards buildups and we're leading t- towards <laughs> sequels and, all this stuff, it really does feel self-contained, and I appreciate that. Um, I think that the beginning part of the movie is really, really clunky. I think that planet hopping and introducing ourselves to every new character is just... And that was apparently a new edit in the film um, when they did their reshoots. I don't think that works well. I think that once they get going a little bit and everyone sort of bands together, it gets a lot better. Um, I think the highlights of the film are... Um, Alan Tudyk as um as K-2SO the the droid. Right. Um I think that that might be the best droid that there's been in any Star Wars movie. Um it's it's a really funny, really well-done performance um from from Alan Tudyk and, and I think it's 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 a really great role.
0: It's a genu uh, it's genuinely funny. Like it's not just like yeah. goofy. Like it's he's genuinely got like a wry Look, wit. He
1: know, he's he's got a very wry wit and he's genuinely a character more so than like, you know, more so than like R two D two or BB eight, who just make noises. Like he, he's he's actually a character, a functioning character. Um, I think that Donnie Yen is actually pretty great in the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it gets a little um, it gets a little messy in its um, in its climax um, where there's a lot going on that sort of. It's just, just kind of like a mess of action, which is not a, necessarily a bad thing. I think that there's a scene that everyone's talking about that is the, like the second to last scene in the movie, which is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in any, any Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um, involving Darth Vader. Um, can we can we
0: spoil it? Because I think everybody's seen it. I think by this point we can. I mean, it's Darth Vader mowing down uh people with a lightsaber, essentially leading up to what you what you see. The first shot of of what was then called Star Wars, what is now called a new hope, uh, him mowing down these rebel, uh, you know, uh, I guess you would call them like ship people. I <laughs> not What do you call them? Like, yes. Na- uh, yes, you call them ship people, whatever. Like the, like the enlisted guys on a ship, on a naval ship. Um, he's mowing them down the lightsaber as they're like passing this disc along with plans, um, that leads up to, it, it's a
1: Darth Vader. That's never really been shown before where he's just like, Blowing down, motherfuckers.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's a really great scene. Look, uh, I I liked this better than the Force Awakens because uh, as much as I I enjoyed the Force Awakens as a big kind of warm hug of nostalgia, it looking back on it, it the way it telegraphs everything it does as a remake essentially of A New Hope is is too is is too much for me. It's a movie that had a blank check and it chose to to redo it. And it's fine. I think it did it successfully. I wish it would have taken more chances. This is a movie that takes chances. And you can feel, you know, famously this had lots of reshoots. And I think that climax you're talking about is something that was reshot uh, as well. Because as you, you know, the trailers feature you know, actual full effect shots of stuff that are not in the film at all and that, that play fast that play with way different geography than was actually in the final film. Um but but I like it. I like the I like it the way it takes chances. I like that uh, I like that it's different. I like that it's that it's a self contained kind of gritty war movie. Um it's got its problems. I think Forrest Whitaker's character probably suffered from the reshoots the most because he doesn't really make a lot of sense and have a lot to do with the story. Um, you know, he seems like he's going to be a big part and then he gets blown up pretty easily. Um, spoiler. Uh, I think the, uh, the effect that everyone was talking about, uh, resurrecting, uh, Peter Cushing to play grand Moff Tarkin, I think isn't very good. I think it's good. I think it's, I should change that. It's very good, but it's not all the way there yet. And it's a huge distraction for me every time I see that scene. And I don't know if that comes with knowing he's dead or, or the actual performance of the motion capture. That's not perfect yet. Um, Yeah. It's, it's an effect that, and, and, and since the movies come out, it's taken on another life of its own since Carrie Fisher died, and I don't know if you saw the announcement that Lucasfilm made a few days ago. Have you Have you been following this this at all? A little
1: bit, yeah, yeah.
0: So there, the after Carrie Fisher died, you know, unexpectedly, um, I guess was it Christmas weekend, something like that. Um, C- Carrie Fisher and her mother passed away the day after Debbie Reynolds. the idea, uh, the, the talk has been about what, uh, the Lucasfilm brain trust, which is Kathleen Kennedy and, uh, director Colin Trevorrow are going to do about what her role will be in episode nine, because apparently all of her stuff for episode eight has been shot already. And the talk is that the, the rumor that's been been going around is like, well, they're, you know, are they going to digitally resurrect her because they just did that. You know, they have a, they have a young Carrie Fisher in rogue one and they, they had Peter Cushing essentially play a role. I would have thought they would have had him him like maybe standing there, maybe have a couple lines, but he plays like a very minor supporting role in this, which is weird to me um, because it's very unnecessary. Uh, so there's a lot of uproar uh, about this. That uh, and 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 to be f- to be frank, no one would be talking about this with the seriousness that they are if Lucasfilm hadn't just done the same fucking thing. You know, yeah. if they hadn't brought back a dead guy, a guy that's been dead since I think 2001, if they hadn't brought him back to play an unnecessary role via special effects in this film to be showy then no one would have been talking about them doing this for Carrie Fisher. However, they released a statement that said that uh, currently they have no plans to do this, which isn't a never. I don't know how many corporate uh, takeovers and management changes you've been through, but whenever somebody says they have no plans to is a very different answer than never. Um, so it, it's weird that that Lucasfilm has, has kind of they kind of created this problem and felt they had to address it what i what do you what what's your take on this do you think that do you legit think that this would be a, something that they would do cuz a lot of people have different ideas about this <clears throat> and i've talked to a lot of people that think it's that it's ghastly that this is even being talked about um
1: it's hard to say because on one hand you have this is the, the best ever rendering of a CGI character, especially based on someone who actually existed that we've ever seen. Right. It's also glaringly obvious that it's CGI. Right. So you run you run that debate of, is it the best we've ever seen? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, it is. Um, is it? You know. Is it ready for prime time? I don't know, man. I don't think so. Um, it's distracting. Um, and even when it is, I I won't, maybe not that so much. It's, it's distracting because I mean, it looks great, but when you know that that actor is dead, you're going to be looking at it, you're going to be scrutinizing it. And so it's open for scrutiny as opposed to just kind of watching the movie and not paying attention to the ins and outs of it. And then when you really start looking at it, you're like, Oh, it's totally fake. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's a psychological aspect of that that really you have to consider. Where when you're portraying someone who's dead and has been in, in the case of Peter Cushing, has been dead for decades, um, it's distracting. Well,
0: um, yeah, I mean these things don't exist in a vacuum. You know, you go, you go to them. I mean, unless you know nothing about it, like that was the my girlfriend has no idea. You know, she's not a Star Wars fan, so she wasn't really. And she's seen them and is aware of they exist, but she doesn't know that Peter Cushing's dead because she doesn't really, she not follow it, you know. So she was when I and I I made the point to tell her like that's a computer generated character, and she's like, oh, I would have never known. But then you know, once you see it, you see it. Um, I I don't think it's a I I don't think it's a good idea. I don't like the way it looks. I mean, it's it's an amazing technical achievement for sure. But I don't think it's good enough for any kind of major role. I think if he hadn't talked, it would have been perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel, but his, the mouth was what threw me. And I don't know why, but it was it was his speaking that, that really threw me. Everything else was fantastic. But, you know, knowing the guy's dead, and, you know, if Carrie Fisher is done that way you know, very publicly dead. And frankly, if, if anything about her public persona, uh, is, is accurate and not just an act, I don't think she'd give two shits anyway, Mm
1: -hmm. frankly.
0: But, uh, did you watch the film on her, on, uh, Debbie Reynolds on HBO, the bright lights?
1: I didn't watch that. I didn't watch that.
0: It's, it's, it's really fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad in retrospect because they're both dead, but, um, You know, there's there's some kind of uh, like ominous stuff. There's a guy basically watching her exercise for Lucasfilm for the Force Awakens, and like reporting their reporting her progress back to them, um, which is a little ominous in retrospect. You know, now they're talking about her like she's a huge family member, and sure she is, but you know, I don't. I don't know where the line is drawn as to what's, who's okay to be resurrected at by a computer and who's not like, no one seems to give a shit that Peter Cushing was, but you, but some people you talk yeah. about resurrecting Carrie Fisher and it's like, you're talking about their fucking mom, you know?
1: Yeah. Let me, I, I don't mean to go off of this cause I think it's an interesting topic, but I, I, I do want to go back to rogue one just
0: for oh, a yeah. second. No, oh, go ahead. Because, I, this is, this was a detour, but go ahead.
1: Well, I, I just think that, I I just appreciate so much of film that takes place in a series like this that has actual stakes. Again, for those who haven't seen, we're going to spoil something here. But I cannot remember the last time I saw a movie where every major character fucking died.
0: (laughs) I think probably the closest thing I can think of recently is uh, the Magnificent Seven remake. Yeah. Uh Yeah. uh you know i think damn near every main character dies except a couple um which i was surprised that they actually did because you know it's such a a cast stacked with with ringers you know uh but every fucking every main guy died every cool like you know ethan hawks did uh um what's uh, uh chris, pratt? chris pratt uh what's the the guy from he was in gi joe as storm shadow the uh, Ethan Hawke's buddy, the, the Chinese buddy he had. Oh, yeah. What was the actor's name? I forgot. Anyway. Um, D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I and I think there's talks that there was a, a version out there where they lived, which would have been stupid because then, you know, where were they elsewhere? I, I think this does a really good job of fitting into the series um, even better than the, some of the prequels did, and I mean the prequels are widely disliked. But I think this this had a meticulousness to it. Um, you know, bringing back Jimmy Smith's was a great choice. You know, Jimmy Smits played that role in uh, Star Wars Episode Three. Um, you know, and, and just the recreations of uh, of the the base, the Rebel base on Yavin Four, and all this other stuff that that it's it's essentially fan service. But it served the story well. You know, it's – they wrote this in. They had this this thing to play with, and they did it really well. And I like that it's not – you know, I don't know if you've noticed stuff like this, but it, even the techniques in the film are different. Like, for one thing, like naming the planets on screen, that's something that's never happened before. Uh, there's not right. a single wipe in the movie, uh, which has never happened before in a Star Wars film. Even J.J. J. Abrams kept up with that style, you know, that house style. It famously doesn't have a crawl. Um, I were you a fan of the music? I wasn't terribly thrilled with the with the Michael Giacchino score. Nothing stuck out to me,
1: and I again that he literally had like a month to write it. So that's true. It doesn't surprise me, but no, nothing stuck out. Yeah,
0: I was I was hoping for something a little memorable, but I don't think anything really was. Um, you know, there's there's little Easter eggs all over it. Uh, you know, Darth Vader is plays a a pretty big role in his his castle. I guess is on the planet where he became Darth Vader. Then Mustafar, um, the guy that gets his arm cut off by Obi Wan Kenobi in the first movie is there for some reason. Um, yeah, it's it's. I, I really I really liked it better than than the Force Awakens. And I I I had a great time with the Force Awakens. I had my problems with it that we've talked about before, but. Um, I'm eager I'm eager to see these new directions that they're going Uh, you know giving these things to different filmmakers and trying different styles I think is a great take on this series because as good as as most of the Marvel movies are they all suffer from the same kind of house style um, you know feel like it's an episode of a TV series Um, and I think if Star Wars can feel different then I think that's that's a plus for everybody. Mm-hmm. So what's your grade for Rogue One? Um, Rogue One's a
1: B minus for me. I definitely recommend it. It's a, it's a good time.
0: I liked it a lot. I gave it an A minus.
1: but I'm
0: an easy lay. So yeah, you are. Anyway, okay, good lord. So that's gonna do it for this week. Next time, I won't say next week because that's ambitious. But next time, uh, what do we got? We have uh, something coming up this week
1: um so this is. week is split
0: split yes i think that was uh screened at fantastic fest was it not it, yes it was it's got a lot of buzz but that's something i'm always cautious of coming out of a festival especially with m night Shyamalan behind it i did like his last movie though um i can't remember what it's called but it was the crazy uh grandparents one was it like the visitor or something the visit maybe
1: the Visit where it's like
0: the 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 kids I go to visit their it. the kids go to visit their grandparents that they've never really met and it turns out that they are they're actually psychopaths that have murdered their real grandparents.
1: Oh, Jared, I don't see that malarkey.
0: Oh, come on. It was another January release. Anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, that seems to be a specialty these days.
0: God, what a what And a then hot. also um
1: Locally is a movie that we can talk about that opens um Limited uh 20th Century Women also opens.
0: Oh god, I saw that like Feels like I saw that two months ago.
1: I know, I know. It's it was ages ago. Was,
0: was not a fan. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, I was. Yeah, because you want you liked hearing Elle Fanning talking about getting loads blasted inside of her. That's inaccurate. You that's the and that's the I, first thing you told me about the movie.
1: That is, <laughs> it is not.
0: <laughs> I think it is, but that is not <laughs> an
1: accurate statement, even though she is of age. I did not say that.
0: And she does literally say that in the movie. Some form. Oh, of that.
1: is that an actual line of dialogue?
0: No, she says like someone came in her.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah, I was, I was thinking that you were being all gross about it. Oh, well, also triple X, the return of the return of Xander cage is out. This I haven't movie.
0: seen either of those first movies, but am I, am I hallucinating? Or did I see, uh, it, I was falling asleep. The other night with the TV on, did I see ice cube is in this one too?
1: Oh, I don't know.
0: Cause he, cause I don't, do you remember when triple X, the first one was released? Yeah. It was like, it was part of, uh, it came after like Vin Diesel became a star with fast and furious, the fast and the furious. And then he wasn't in the sequel. Uh, because of some reasons. So this was going to be his new franchise, was Triple X. And then I think the first one no one gave a shit about. So then he didn't come back for the second one, and they said his character was dead, and Ice Cube was Triple X. Like, Triple X was like a like a something got passed around. And I
1: swear... Yeah, it, looks like, it looks like Ice Cube might actually be in this one. Yeah,
0: well, Yeah, because I, I swear I saw him, and I, I thought that couldn't be right. But Man,
1: the the Triple X Universe cares not for your opinions or thoughts.
0: <laughs> I uh I I have no desire to see it and I I don't believe it's screening. Um, it's screening here. Uh, is it? I don't think i have got an yeah. invite to it. But uh it makes me laugh every time I see Vin Diesel on that fucking skateboard in the commercial. <laughs> it looks so stupid. Oh, is that is, is that like uh,
1: isn't there like a seat is where you talking about the jet ski scene that's in the trailer?
0: No, there's like a scene where he's literally on a skateboard. Oh, I don't remember that. He's like skateboarding down a street. Maybe I'm I'm hallucinating like... like Pam,
1: I I think you're making up your own movie in your head.
0: I'm like, Ice Cube's in it, again. Uh, Yeah, this just seems like such a relic of 2002 to me. I just don't give a shit. But uh, that's coming out, and uh, I think uh, something else, too, that we're not seeing... I don't know. Uh, 20th century women. I wasn't. I wasn't a fan of. Um, God, I'm, this is taking so long. <laughs> uh, I, I still need to see. Uh, the founder is is hitting limited release too, and that's another thing I haven't seen that I'm really looking forward to. I think you've seen it, right? I like it. All right, so uh, if you want to reach us, you can find us at. You can email us at Cinesnob, What is it at podcast? Podcast at cinesnob.net. Motherfucker. Podcast at cinesnob.net. You can find us on Twitter at cinesnob. (coughs) Excuse me. Facebook at cinesnob critic. Uh, You can call us at 920 film 210. That's 920 3456 210. Anything else? Um, No. Good Lord. This is. Well, thanks for listening. If you have, uh, all the way through to this uh, mess of an episode, hopefully we'll get back on track uh, here pretty uh, soon.
1: Yeah. Hopefully we'll only have to record it once next time.
0: <laughs> well, technically we didn't record it. We only recorded it once this time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I liked that when I realized I wasn't recording, it was in the middle of a conversation and I said, fuck. And you thought I was responding to whatever bullshit you were talking about. <laughs> huh. And then, uh, then you, I got very embarrassed and anyway, anything else to add before we go? No. All right. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. And I am Cody Viafania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net.
1: See you next week.